Welcome to I'll Be Dash, a Woodhouse podcast. I'm Robin. And I'm Scott. And we are a father-daughter duo who read and talk about the works of P.G. Woodhouse and often get into arguments and uh, off-color tangents. <laughs> off-color? <laughs> oh, oh, let me check. I mean, I'm do you fine. remember when we talked about shitting bears? <laughs> No, I've suppressed that memory. That's Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> like I would say that I would say that's pretty off color. I mean, the last one I remember was me going off on the defense of Watson. I was like, I don't think I was being off color. So, I mean, it was completely unnecessary. So, no, I think it was necessary. It was, it was, men <laughs> it was mentioned in the book. It's fair game. Okay. I mean, I guess that's fair. We do most of the tangents we go off on are at least mentioned in the books. Yes, Doctor Watson was mentioned in the book, so he needed to be defended. Okay. So, what are we uh, going to be talking about this week? Quick surface. Quick. <laughs> I like the way you just looked at me with a confused look. I was trying to get the ball rolling. <laughs> about. What the hell are you talking about? We're talking about the book. Okay. Uh, oh, are you asking me what, what I had strong opinions about? Uh, no. Do you have strong oh, opinions? Not particularly. Wow. <laughs> Robin's just like, meh. I mean, th this one this one was pretty good. I liked it. Oh, I didn't okay. have anything that like made me irrationally angry. Well, let's see if we can do something about that. <laughs> sure, let's see if we can change that. <laughs> well, Quick Service was first published in October 1940 after being serialized in the Saturday Evening Post. Unlike most of his later work, uh, it does not involve any characters that appear before or after, which I thought was a bit strange. The company that uh, Duff works for does appear in a couple of other books, but none of the characters do. So, which I'm kind of surprised because, it, like you, I liked the book. So I was just mm -hmm. a little surprised that nobody showed up again. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't really have any other notes on the book beyond that. Yeah, no, I mean, failed me. <laughs> No, I mean, I thought it was, it, it was a good romp. Like that's. I, will, I had no complaints. Oh, I, I had I'm, some complaints, but not a lot. I'm going to assume that I did enjoy the book better than you did, simply by your reaction that it was a good romp. You had no complaints. Some maybe. Yeah. This is my first five star of the year. <laughs> really? Yes. I don't know if our listeners know how difficult it is for you to give a five star. Oh, it's very, I have, as I said, I haven't given one this year. I've it took you six months to give a five star. Yes. I've read, I believe 74 books this year and I've given one five star. Although I, there's another book that I'm, I gave basically four and three quarter star that I might, move up to a five star by the end of the year but as of right now it is my only five star whereas i just looked because i have my spreadsheet up 
And apparently I'm just like a little slut for five stars because I've <laughs> I've read what did I say, 49 books 49. and I have seven five stars. <laughs> <laughs> so we are opposite ends of the spectrum. I, I did not give this one a five star. I, I didn't think that you would you say you gave it a four and a half? I gave it a four. You suck. All right. <laughs> All right. Do you want to go ahead and start so I can start yelling at you for <laughs> reasons that it would become apparent somehow? Sure. Okay. Chapter one. We are in the home of Mrs. Howard Steptoe and are introduced to George Lord Holbleton, who has just become engaged to a woman without any money. Lord Hobleton is concerned about letting his trustee know about this. In the dining room, there is a portrait of Mrs. Chavender, the widow of Mrs. Steptoe's brother, Otis. Uh, the painting was done by Josh Weatherby. This person will appear later. There's so many characters, like, right yeah. in this first chapter. I, I got to be honest, this chapter was probably the one chapter I didn't really care for, simply because I just felt I was getting hit with information right and left. When you first read a chapter, you're just like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep up with this. Yeah, like there, there are just so many. And then there's, I think in the first chapter, there's also like Chibnall, which is like the butler and then Sally. Like there's so many characters. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a little overwhelming. The, the first chapter is overwhelming. I will give you that, definitely. At the breakfast table are Mrs. Steptoe and Sally Fairmile, uh, Mrs. Steptoe's poor relation. Yes, we can't we can't ever forget that Sally is a poor relation. Poor relation. And Lord uh, Hobleton's recent fiance. Uh, Mrs. Steptoe says Sally will drive uh, him to London since she already has to go to hire a valet for Mr. Steptoe as he sort of runs through them rather quickly. Uh, Mr. Steptoe and Mrs. Chamater come in. Lord Hobleton jumps up and asks Mrs. Chamater if he can get her anything. <laughs> Woodhouse says her answer impacted the destinies of those <laughs> presents, but also those of J.B. Duff, the managing director of Duff and Trotter, of Joss Weatherby, the artist, of Chimnall, the butler, and of Vera Pym, a barmaid and Chimnall's fiance. Which yes. it does. I, I really it, it does. And I, I did enjoy that, but you're also like reading it and you're like, how? Like you get like very confused for a second. I I, I think it this is where it started to sort out the confusion a little bit for me from mm -hmm. the first part of this chapter where I'm like, there's so many people. <laughs> Mrs. Chamater eats some ham and then declares it uneatable. She should know as she used to be engaged to someone uh, she describes as a ham king. I didn't even think about this. There's a lot of mention of him. Ham and there's a lot of mention of ham. <laughs> I I did make a note somewhere, I think it was like maybe towards the middle, where I was just like, This is not kosher. <laughs> <laughs> like there's so much freaking ham. Robin is kosher now, but Robin used to be a huge fan of ham. Yes, I have kept kosher for like six, six years. years. Yeah, like six. 2017? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but yes, before that, before I started keeping kosher, I ate ham pretty much every day. 
at least once a day. All right. So when asked who the ham was purchased from, Sally says Duff and Trotter, which alarms both Lord Hobleton and Mrs. Chavender. It turns out Duff is the aforementioned ham king, and she is looking forward to giving him a piece of her mind. Sally leaves, and George follows behind, letting her know Duff is also his trustee. Also, it turns out the money was put in trust because George had previously had a breach of promise case, which is just mentioned there. It doesn't really come up later, except for the fact that maybe he does have a history of uh, becoming engaged and then deciding, no, I don't really want this. Yeah. George says there's no way he's going to talk to Duff now. And when Sally pushes, he says, why doesn't she go talk to him? And she says she will. Which you can kind of see where this relationship is going right away based on how Woodhouse portrays people who won't stand up for themselves. Yeah. This relationship is not long for this world. (laughs) I mean, it lasted longer than I thought it was going to. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to get to that part where where it ends. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> you have any notes? Yeah. So on the first page, I, I'm trying to figure out who's narrating. Sorry. Who's narrating? Yeah. Well, because it switches narrators. It doesn't actually it doesn't actually say on the first page. I think it's George. But so essentially like there's a, a sentence where I think it does a really good uh Woodhouse does a really good job showing, not telling, which is something that we, you know, have spoken about with like other authors that that is a big pet peeve of like Definitely. people telling us things and then it's not shown anywhere. And so I, I sort of highlighted like it I, happened. I, I feel that was Kind of directed at me a little bit. <laughs> you do have a bigger problem with it than I do. <laughs> it still bothers me, but you are more vocal about it. Go on. <laughs> um, <laughs> in the first paragraph, um, he's comparing someone to a human snapping turtle. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that that was just like a really good way to sort of set the tone of that relationship. But also, <laughs> I I had a I had a question about yeah. a word that I found confusing. It's not dirty. It's not dirty. <laughs> oh, okay. That's just a pretty good assumption with you. <laughs> I wouldn't find dirty words confusing. <laughs> no, you would just find regular words that you think are dirty. Look, if they're in a context where I'm just like, um, okay, then like that's not my fault. Okay, what's what's your question? <laughs> what what is palooka? It's it's uh, like a uh, a a lug, kind of like a. Well, let me look. <laughs> well, to me, a palooka is basically. I, I was gonna say a tomato can, but you probably don't know that reference either. Okay, what? I will say by that. Look, do not know that reference. What? I've never heard that. A stupid, clumsy, or uncouth person. Oh, or yes, a tomato. An inferior, an inferior or average prize fighter. 
a a a boxer who is not particularly good and can be defeated easily would be a tomato can. Oh. Okay, that makes more sense then. Because when it is said or thought, I guess, it's coming from Mr. Septo, who was a boxer, mm-hmm. in reference to George, who he thinks, who whom he considers a palooka of the first water. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's the water reference that confused me. I'm like, is it like a pitcher? Like, what, what is a palooka? But that was probably just phrasing that was a little bit more yeah. in the time. Yeah. So it was just like, I think just the like saying things. of the first order or yeah yeah and so it just like confused me a little bit so I was just like what the hell is a palooka and I just put question marks around it so <laughs> I, I I do like and I probably mentioned this before that you just wait for me to either tell you what something means or we both just kind of like I don't know I don't know yeah oh when I oh. when I could just google it yeah yeah <laughs> well I think I assume that if if I don't know what it means then like Probably our listeners don't know what it means. I'm helping the class. Let's just move on the from the fact that you may have subtly insulted our listeners. <laughs> but no, I don't. I don't think I did. I think it's just it's a word that's not used that often. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way you phrase it. If I didn't know it, they're probably not going to know it. <laughs> if I didn't know it after reading like five or six Woodhouse works, then they may not know it either. I did underline the mention of Breach of Promise when it came up because I had actually, I underlined it and then I forgot until you talked about it, that <laughs> it did mention that George had a Breach of Promise before. Yeah. And that's what makes later on in the book really interesting. Because <laughs> he didn't yeah. want to do that again. <laughs> he doesn't really mention it later but it does yeah. if you recall it from the first chapter it's like oh you know yeah you're kind of antsy about mm-hmm. his engagement later yeah all right uh chapter two we meet joss weatherby who does advertisements for duff and trotter he is arriving late and also filching some fruit on display apparently he once saved duff's life and duff doesn't seem too pleased about it uh, the secretary tells Duff Mrs. Chavinger is there to see him. Both Duff and Joss know her, but Duff is less than pleased, and Joss is happy to meet her. Uh, Duff looks to escape, and Joss suggests going on the balcony. Joss explains that Duff is out, and she tells him to pass on her complaint to Duff. Uh, then Duff decides he wants to use Mrs. Chavinger's portrait for a new advertisement. The secretary reports that a detective de- did see Joss take an apple and then reports that another woman is there to see Duff and it's Sally. So I, I, this is really, really starts to just do kind of like this dance thing of switching of partners and stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it's like one of those. It made me think of like, uh, like in a cartoon or something where like a revolving door where like one person comes in and then they're like, nah, 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 nah. Yeah. And then they come out and then like, as they're coming out, the person that they're talking about comes in. Like it, it, it reminded me of that. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons that I did give this a five star is because it, it, it keeps doing this pretty much all throughout the novel. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it really falters. 
when it yeah. does that. So I really enjoyed that. But uh, you have notes on this chapter? I do. So I have a question okay. about the Paramount ham. Uh, oh, okay. I don't know if I'll be able to answer this, but go ahead. Because so one of the sentences is the Paramount ham in its capacity of ewe lamb to the managing director has a shrine to itself. Is it made of lamb? No, I. Because this isn't the only time it's like lamb is mentioned in reference to the ham, and so I'm. My question is, is it a ham made of lamb? No, I don't believe it's a ham made of lamb. I, I believe that. I don't think that would be ham. <laughs> I believe that that is just a uh, a, a saying. Okay. Of like, does it mean it's like of that like high quality? That's kind of okay. where I believe it's going. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm just like a ham made of lamb wouldn't be a ham at all. It would be it would lamb. Be mutton, right? Isn't mutton horse? No. <laughs> or is it sheep? It may be sheep, but it's definitely not horse. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't. I'm just thinking of that scene in The Hobbit where the. The trolls are carrying the ham and saying something about mutton. Hey, look, our first tangent. Okay, yes, it is sheep, but definitely not horse. I'm concerned about what you've been eating. Well, I, mean, I didn't say that I eat mutton, whatever it is. It's sheep. My other note <laughs> was... <laughs> I, I have to say, at the end of <laughs> chapters, I'm always like... Ooh, big gamble here. What's Robin going to hit me with? <laughs> Lamb. Lamb. Or horse. <laughs> You're the one who brought up mutton. <laughs> Blame the victim. <laughs> You're not a victim. <laughs> Trust me, I am. Throughout the book. I flip-flopped on how to feel about Joss pretty much the entire time. That is one of one of the things I wanted to talk about. I don't know if you want to talk about it now or maybe you want we to... We can wait. talk about it now. Okay. I, l let me tell you what my impression of what I felt you might have thought <laughs> was. I think at the beginning you were kind of possibly getting a little bit of a... Smith vibes, yeah, going on, and th that may have lasted for a while, but I think by the end of the novel, maybe it's changed a little bit because Joss does things that Smith just simply wouldn't do. Yeah, he he shows doubt. Yeah, and he apologizes, which mm -hmm. I maybe it has happened. I don't recall Smith ever apologizing. I don't, yeah, I don't think he did. It. I, I would agree with that. Like, so the reason I bring Joss up is because I wrote strike one next to a paragraph <laughs> where he was speaking because I didn't like his tone, man. Uh, I'll, I'll be quite honest. Joss, in the first couple of chapters that he appears in, yes, he seems a little bit yeah, like a Smith clone. Yeah, but as, and that's why I flip-flop because like as it goes on, Yes, he starts showing doubt, and like oh, it helps that a lot of what he's doing, yes, is for his own benefit, but also the benefit of others. But then sometimes he'll say something where I'm just like, what the hell? 
and then I'll flip flop the other way, but then he'll do something and I'll flip flop the other way. So like I do like him more than Smith. I I will absolutely say that. I, but I, I don't know if I like him. <laughs> I do think that uh Joss is full of big talk that maybe he doesn't always believe himself, mm -hmm. but he is the type of person who will do the right thing or do the hard thing when it's required. I would agree with that. But he also, uh, it, it a lot of it, it and it's, we're going to talk about it in that later chapter when he and Sally are talking mm -hmm. to me, that's what makes him a lot different than other Woodhouse characters, because you basically for young men, you have the two types, mm -hmm. your type, the lovable idiot, <laughs> and the cocksure mm -hmm. can't do any wrong the smith yeah. basically yeah and well i would never classify joss as a lovable idiot no i wouldn't really classify him as this mm -hmm. i'm pointing i don't know people can't <laughs> yeah people can't see you pointing <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't classify him as the uh, cocksure Smith-like character, sure, because he shows in the end that he, he's just more human. Yeah, yeah. Than what Smith comes across as. So I think I think if I hadn't been exposed to Smith before I read him, I would be a lot more bothered by him. I, I think you are going to have a lot of that issue with Woodhouse, is because you've got smith yeah that you're gonna be with any cocky young man you're gonna be yeah. like mm. and yeah then you're like i'll give you a chance but i have my hand on the lever to pull the trap door yeah and just like are you as bad as smith <laughs> <laughs> so i gave him i gave him strike one because <laughs> He, he talks about himself in the third person. Yeah. And like, but it's not just that. Like, to me, that's like, okay, kooky character trait. Fine. Scott understands that. But then he, he makes a mention of how about how people yearn for him, like yearn for his presence. And I'm like, okay, you're, you're not all that. Calm down. So that was strike one. I will say he didn't get a strike two. At least that I wrote down. And then I also underlined, just because I like when this happens, uh, quick service is used in the text. Yeah. Just the once, though. <laughs> and then... I think... Oh. And also, there's a mention of 11 Cs. Is there? <laughs> yeah. I'm at the end of chapter two, Joss is, of course, talking. Uh, he talks a lot. <laughs> so, it's a Woodhouse novel. Lots of people talk a lot. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like when it's a character that you're like flip-flopping about, it just gets a little much. Um, he says, any doctor will tell you that a man needs a little something round, round about the middle of the morning, what is technically known as his 11 C's. Otherwise, the machine breaks down. And so I underline that because it's it's 11 C's and the only other place I've seen 11 C's mentioned is Tolkien. So I had to underline that. 
but yeah, that, that's all I have for chapter two. All right. In chapter three, Sally wants to see Duff. Joss just wants to take in Sally with whom he has, for all intents and purposes, fallen immediately in love with, as happens in Woodhouse novels. And to be fair, a lot of novels, but Woodhouse is particularly known for young men falling in love quite quickly. He offers her sherry, which actually belongs to Duff. Then he offers her more sherry. <laughs> I gotta imagine by by the end of this, at the very least, Sally had to be quite drunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, if not also perhaps Jaws and later Duff. <laughs> Duff comes back, having been unable to get Mrs. Steptoe to agree to give him the portrait. Oh, uh, he had called her. Uh, also, the store detective has told him about Joss. He yells when he comes in, but Joss pushes him out of the room, pretending Duff is an employee. That's the end of chapter three. So I, I imagine your point of view on Joss is still pretty along the Smith line at this point. Yeah, he's not doing much to really uh, counter that. Yes. But, well, and plus, like, I'll get to that later. <laughs> I didn't underline anything in that chapter. <laughs> okay. It was a fairly quick one. Yeah, there, there are a few chapters, especially at the beginning of the book or the first mm -hmm. half of the book where the chapters are fairly small. It's later in the book where they get, they get longer, longer yeah. and more complex. Which <laughs> seems to be a pattern with Woodhouse that I don't appreciate. <laughs> Because I'm just like, oh, I have time to read a chapter. And I'm like, no, I don't. You're like, oh, I'm on chapter 10. I have half the book done. And then you look at the book. It's like, I have like a third of the book done. Yeah, <laughs> like, wait a minute. <laughs> this doesn't add up. Chapter <laughs> should be equal length. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I try to, whenever I'm writing, I try to make all my chapters about 10 pages. Okay. So no other nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Chapter four. Joss threatens to tear Duff from limb to limb for confronting Sally. <laughs> Duff fires him. For real this time. <laughs> Joss doesn't care and he goes back to Sally. He pretends it was someone else, but she points out that it looks like the Mr. Duff who is pictured on the ham label, and Joss admits it is. He's open about all the things he's done and says he is going to be the new valet. <laughs> they part, and he sends Duff in with uh, Duff reminding Joss he is fired. So I did have to make a note about <laughs> Joss just graphically threatening what is technically his boss. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, technically only for a few minutes more. <laughs> well, after that, I don't blame Duff for firing him. He says... He saved you, his life. <laughs> if you so much as shove your nose inside that door till you're sent for, I'll break your spine in eight places. You'll think you're back at the osteopaths. And I just wrote, damn. <laughs> like, I guess I have to appreciate that Joss is very enthusiastic in his love. <laughs> Robin sees a serial killer. He's very enthusiastic about his work. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, 
Okay. This is this is one of the times where I flip flops in the space of like a page. Yeah, I imagine Joss made you flip flop quite a bit. <laughs> he did because it's one of those things where like he said something where I'm like, okay, I can respect that, and then he continued talking, and I'm like. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that's a problem a lot of us guys have is we say something good and then we just keep going on. <laughs> yeah, you, you never know quite where to stop. <laughs> so pretty much what? Fair, but ow. <laughs> well, so pretty much when he agrees to be the the valet, he sort of manipulates Sally, which I'm not a huge fan of. Because he, he pretty much says, like, if it hadn't been for you, I wouldn't be out of a job. And it's like, no, you threatened your boss. That's why you're out of a job. Sally had nothing to do with it. And so I, I read that as very like manipulative on his part, which I'm not a fan of and was very Smith-esque. I would understand that point of view, but I think that already at this point, he and Sally are already having a little bit of the banter going on. A so, little, like it, a it, little, just it, a it, fair bit. It's a fair point of view, and I won't disagree with it. I mm -hmm. just, it didn't bother me as much. Sure. And also, that has to do with the fact that, you know, you kind of looked at that as that's the first time you're reading that. Where yeah. I've already read the book once before, mm -hmm. and now I'm just yeah. reading it again. I know everything that happens in the book. So I'm kind of like, oh, well, yeah. Sure, yeah. So I, I imagine if you had read it a second time, knowing what happens, it probably wouldn't bother you as much because you know mm -hmm. how things end up. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other notes on that chapter? Nope. That was chapter four that was chapter four okay i'll tell you right now i don't have anything on chapter five to be fair it's only like three pages yeah chapter five sally loses her fear of death and she sees he himself is a bundle of nerves he is actually terrified of women which gosh the end of the novels sure worked out for him <laughs> um she offers him sherry his own sherry <laughs> I did like that part. <laughs> she says Lord Hobleton sent her to talk to him. Duff seems to care less for Hobleton than he does for Joss. But he suggests that the two of them, he and Sally, can make a deal. So, yeah, that's the end of chapter five. Mm -hmm. No note, she said. So, nope. chapter six. Lord Hobleton is extremely anxious. Which, I mean, that just could be that's... the descriptor for... Yeah, that's on par. Uh, he's waiting for Sally to return. She gets there and tells him that Duff wanted to tell her a story. And then they do that back and forth. It's just like, okay, tell the story. <laughs> well, so, so I didn't make a note about it, but now that you mention it, I do remember that I enjoyed the back and forth a bit because I, George was just like, and my money? Yeah. And, and, and my money? You went to ask about my money. You're not talking about my money. And so I was just like, like part of me was like, dude, let her talk. But the yeah. other part was like, I get and it. He, he would also interrupt to ask questions mm -hmm. 
about stuff that he doesn't care what the answer is. She would start to answer and he'd be like, what about my money? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, Sally thinks that Duff is still in love with Mrs. Chavender and wants the portrait to remember her by. Duff suggested Holbleton steal it for him. Holbleton didn't want to do that. She said, Duff said that if he did do it, that Holbleton would get his money. And that's the end of the chapter. Yeah. Oh, my my only real note was just writing LOL at the end of it. Okay. Because, one, I did enjoy it. But also, George's last thought was he had just begun to wonder whether in plighting his troth to a girl who considered it a splendid idea that he should snip portraits out of their frames and hide them under his coat, he might not have acted a little rashly. And I just put LOL. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's quite apparent on the surface level yeah. that Sally is suited more for Joss than for yes. George. Yes. I mean, you, you could argue, and you might have been at this point, whether Josh is suitable for her at all, but if you're comparing between the two, yeah, definitely. I I kind of the banter's a little bit like I believe it was Jane and Packy in a uh, hot water. You, some of the banter between. Yes, I had to remember who the characters were. Sorry. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I remember Packy, but I had I had some trouble with Jane at first. So yeah, yeah. No, I would I would agree with that. All right, chapter seven. Another player enters. I don't what? have any notes on this one. You don't have any notes on this? All right. I, I don't know why. <laughs> All right. Chimnall, the butler, is brooding about his love, Vera, straightening a commercial traveler's tie. I think that's fair. Well, I mean, she's a barmaid. I mean, no, I mean yeah. Like I, I could understand both viewpoints because, like, I, I've been a bartender. I've flirted with customers to get a better tip, but I could also understand why it would be upsetting <laughs> to watch. Now, honestly, Woodhouse should have written a book about the relationship between the two of them. It's like, good lord, after they get married, <laughs> Chibnall uh, gets up and lets a young man in the door. The young man is Joss. Uh, Chibnall, seeing him at the front door and having driven up with a sports car, assumes that he's a guest and not the new valet. Well, the valet certainly would not do either of those things. Chibnall gets luggage as Joss asks to see Mrs. Steptoe. She's worrying about her first garden party and assumes Joss might be somebody she inadvertently left off the guest list. In a discussion of Joss's use of the word madam, they come to the understanding that he is the new valet. They talk about uh, how difficult Mr. Steptoe is. And Chibnall finds out that Joss is the valet and feels embarrassed. He takes him to a room and Joss offers him a five-pound note, having already given him one uh, for taking the luggage, to get him a better room. Uh, soon enough, Joss is hobnobbing with all the help until Mr. Steptoe rings the bell. Steptoe tells him to take take away the stiff shirt on his bed and Josh steps up and says Steptoe will wear it. Mm-hmm. And you said you had no notes on this chapter? Nope. No notes. 
I don't know. Kind of I, think, like I think maybe. <laughs> wow. I think maybe at that point, I swear I got sucked into the story. And so I wasn't <laughs> thinking about the fact that I should probably take notes. <laughs> <laughs> so Robin's contribution would be, yeah. Yeah. I like that too. I mean, I did like the chapter. <laughs> I, I actually really like Mrs. Steptoe. At least I like how she interacts with other people. Don't know if I like her as a person. <laughs> yeah. See, the thing is, is in, and I won't go, I'll try not to go off on a tangent here, but there's a difference to me between unlikable characters mm -hmm. and characters you just can't stand to read about. Sure. Like, I don't particularly think Mrs. Steptoe is likable. Yeah. But it's still interesting to read about her. You you could still have some empathy for her. And it's like, yeah, I probably wouldn't want to hang around with her, but it's it's good to read. Sure. Some people think, oh, I can write about an unlikable character and that'd be fine. It's like, but if you don't make me care at all, then I don't yeah. care at all. And so yeah. I think there are a lot of characters in this novel. Mm -hmm. That at one point or another, or all throughout, aren't likable, but yeah. they're still entertaining. So, yes, yes. Chapter eight. Steptoe asks what Joss said. Joss repeats it, and Steptoe calls him a smart guy. <laughs> Joss says he knew he was going to say that. He was sh as sure of it as the IOU in his pocket for the money Steptoe lost to the cook. Josh says he shudders to think what Mrs. Steptoe would think. Steptoe shudders too. <laughs> <laughs> she will apparently put up with him abusing valets, but draws a line at gambling with the cook and possibly making her give notice and losing an amazing cook. Josh says Steptoe must have been rolling the dice wrong because he was playing craps. Mm -hmm. He suggests ways to improve. Apparently Steptoe is trying to raise money to move back to Hollywood. Because he doesn't enjoy the English life. I didn't mention it at the beginning, but Mr. and Mrs. Steptoe are Americans. Mm -hmm. So. But they're trying really hard to be part of English society. Well, Mrs. Steptoe is. Step in. Mr. Steptoe does not like it at all. Yeah. But Joss does get Mr. Steptoe <clears throat> to wear the shirt. Yeah. Which I, I like the chapter, but I almost think that Steptoe just gave in too quickly. It's like, oh, he's this horror to ballots, and like, mm -hmm. now he's like, okay, you're okay. the boss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which we're used to with ballots in Woodhouse, but... <laughs> yeah. Did you have any notes on Chapter 8? Yes. So, one of them was just me, like, highlighting a little banter moment because I thought it was really funny. Mm -hmm. Steptoe says, I'll break you into little bits. And <laughs> Weatherby says, don't be silly. What use would I be in little bits? And I'm just like, all right. That, I I like that. <laughs> just because I'm like, I like the moments where it's just like, it's so droll almost. Like it's such a, just a quick like dry response that it's like all right yeah that's that was good i like that uh mrs steptoe does it later in the book and i liked that as well <laughs> oh and then when 
Mr. Septo is talking about his amazing movie career <laughs> and talking about his three speeches that he got yeah. in a movie. Mr. Steptoe had a Hollywood career. Sure. Uh, where he's pretty much an extra, except in one movie in which he had three speeches. It was one of these tough stories where everybody's all the time slapping somebody else's face. <laughs> I was one of these gangsters. A guy comes up to me and says, oh, yeah? And I say, oh, yeah? And slap his face. Then another guy comes up to me and says, oh, yeah? And I say, oh, yeah? And slap his face. And then a third guy comes up to me and says, oh, yeah? And I say, oh, yeah? And I slap him on the kisser, too. So, speeches. <laughs> yeah. And I just wrote, fascinating. <laughs> I mean... Although I did like Joss's response to that whole thing. He just says, I suppose they couldn't get Clark Gable, which I'm just like, that was a good one, too. <laughs> yeah, that was it. You know what my response to that is? Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to have to change the name of our podcast to, oh, yeah? I will say, though, I did, like, towards the end of the story that, like, I'll be dashed was actually a lot, like, it was said a lot. And so I'm just like, hey. <laughs> They're talking about us. <laughs> it's appropriately named. <laughs> All right. Chapter nine. Sally is wondering how Joss is doing. It doesn't appear to be wondering what George is doing. Uh, she runs into Joss as he shouts, Hoy at her. <laughs> I don't know why, but just the fact that he shouted hoy just was amusing to me. No, I mean, what else would you shout? Yeah. Hoy! <laughs> it, would be, it would be better if they were near a boat. That is the appropriate time to shout hoy. Wouldn't that be a hoy? No, I'm pretty sure you say hoy. Don't you like hoy the anchor or something? Or no, that's hoist. <laughs> the only, you you could be correct, but the only thing I know I is like don't ship, think I am now. Chips ahoy. <laughs> okay. You have to keep that in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what I was. Oh, okay. <laughs> hoy. <laughs> I'm gonna go hoy on my boat. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm correct now. <laughs> Joss talks about how well he's doing in his new situation, except for the fact that he can't actually valet. Would it be valet as a verb, or would it be valet? I don't know. Wouldn't it still be valet? Why would it suddenly change the valet? I mean, would would it still be valid as a verb? Couldn't it be like validating? Like he was validating? I I don't huh. I I do know that I never want to hear that with an ING on the end of it again. Validated, validating, and valets. Oh, okay. I I did not disagree that they were words. I just don't know about the pronunciation. Well, I don't know either. It doesn't tell me. 
<laughs> well, thank you for answering a question I did not ask. <laughs> it has both of them. Does it? Marion Webster has both pronunciations, which well, like it makes sense because they're yeah. it, in in British English. Obviously, the noun is valet in yeah in America. It's valet. I but think I don't it. No, about the British verb form. I think it would still be pronounced the same way. Okay. Why does validating bother you? I, I, I don't know. It just. Uh, <laughs> You're just like, please stop. <laughs> it's, you know, it, it, it's just the combination of the syllables for some reason is like making making my mind itch. Okay. So, oh, we're not done with chat tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens with the tangents. We're like, oh, yeah, we didn't finish the part. Yeah. Uh, they talk about Joss's artistic career. He was doing well with painting, but his lawyer took off with his money, which I I, I kind of almost wish that we had more information about his past life because it's like that sounds interesting. But uh, then they start to talk about love, and Sally finds a reason to run off. Which Sally is obviously attracted to him on some level. Sure. But she understands that she's engaged to Lord Stiff. And uh, rather than, you know, cut just at the knees, just avoids the issue whatsoever yeah she's just like and eh, i'm gonna leave <laughs> and i'm out of here <laughs> my note for this chapter was sort of pointing out that like i have to wonder if woodhouse was friends with like a portrait artist or something because this is the second time now i've seen that he explains how difficult it is to be a portrait artist I mean, he he was friends with uh, artistic types. I I read his biography. I don't recall offhand any particular portrait artist that he was friends with, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, just because he explains that like the difficulty is, of course, that in order to paint portraits, you have to have sitters, and you can't get sitters till you've made a name. You can't make a name till you've painted portraits. And That's that was almost also, exactly what he said in the uh, in the short story. Yeah, I get with Jeeves and Lister. Corky? I think it might have been Corky. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's why I sort of made a note because I'm like, was he friends with a portrait artist? Because I've seen this twice now. Uh, so I just I just thought that was interesting. That was it. Okay. Okay. Now here's where we start to get a little bit longer. So if you have any comments while we're going, just hit me with them. Okay. Because this is a longer chapter than previous ones. Uh, chapter 10. Duff is at the Rose and Crown near the uh, Steptoe residence. He is going to be waiting there for Holbleton to bring the painting. Vera Pym, the barmaid, is there, but she is strangely silent, although Duff doesn't know that that's strange. She's nervous. The reason she is nervous is that Duff is wearing a large mustache as a disguise. Hey, large mustaches can be very disturbing. <laughs> Which actually calls more attention to him. He gets up to leave and runs into Chibnall and Josh, although Josh doesn't recognize him, although he does think Duff looks familiar. 
he asks Vera about him, and she tells Josh she thinks Duff is a crook, which will be a common theme with Vera. Yeah, Kibno laughs this off. Josh, seeing that a fight is coming and needing to meet Steptoe in the stable for craps lessons, takes his leave. Vera mocks Chibnall about his love of novelettes, uh, believing the tales in there are unavailable. And I'm sure Woodhouse is trying to say something with this, but I'm going to assume it was just something of the time. I don't know if novelettes were looked down upon or what during this time. Yeah. Like, I sort of interpreted it as, like, novelettes were, like, essentially, like, romance. It, like, it the, like the Harlequin romance sort of thing. Yeah, although Chimnall was reading them, so they're probably, like, uh, adventure tales or something. Maybe. Like, pulp. Oh, adventure maybe. tales like that. Chibnall mentions that Joss himself has a title of father, which Joss had told to him previously. And Vera says he was pulling Chibnall's leg. Chibnall mentions Joss has already given him 10 pounds, and Vera says Joss is a crook too. <laughs> Chibnall and Vera part on a bad note. And this is a very healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Duff is searching for Holton and sees him and calls out to him. <laughs> Seeing a mustache man calling out hey to him makes Holton make a break for it. <laughs> Duff is unable to keep up with him. <laughs> Deciding that he must do this himself, Duff looks into the breakfast room and sees a portrait. He goes in to attempt to steal it and is stopped by Steptoe. Duff tells him who he is. Steptoe realizes Duff is trying to steal the portrait, but also understands that he can make some of the money that he needs. So he goes to get a knife, but Mrs. Steptoe shows up and puts a kibosh on everything. Steptoe is worried, but says his valet is the one who can handle this. He takes Duff to meet him, and Josh finally recognizes Duff. Steptoe, seeing the two of them know each other, leaves to get a drink. <laughs> Joss explains he took the job to get close to Sally, who he says he loves. And Joss says he is willing to steal the portrait. Oh, do I have to ask? Do you have any notes, Robin? As like, you just weren't going to talk unless I asked? <laughs> no. I just... You're just staring at me. <laughs> <laughs> I have one. What? Really? Okay. <laughs> and I don't know if I'm even going to keep it in. So, Joss. <laughs> yes. Joss refers to himself towards the end of the chapter as the Clains Hall Fuhrer. And I know that that title had a different connotation in the time. But I just wrote, um, next to it. <laughs> what did he call himself? I probably just completely glossed over this. Um, I heard the Fuhrer part. I didn't hear the first the, part. The Claims Hall Fuhrer. Oh, the place where they are. Yeah, so he said, I have a sort of general commission to look after things here. You might call me the Claims Hall Fuhrer. Oh. And so I guess I'm just wondering, like, what what is he actually meaning? Well... Outside of my, you know, 21st century... 21st? 20th? Well... 20th. It, 
we're in the 21st century. That was written in the 20th. 21st century. Okay. <laughs> Outside of my, <laughs> what century am I in? Um, <laughs> Outside of my like 21st century lens, like what, what did he actually mean? Okay. Well, to put it in context, and, and I'm just spitballing here. I have no knowledge on this. This was published in 1940, which means yes. it was probably written in 1939. 1939 is really when uh, the war mm -hmm. started, except for America. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, <be> lazy. <laughs> so this may just be one of those things where Woodhouse kind of let real life events or terminology kind of mm -hmm. seep in to his writing although generally woodhouse was pretty apolitical mm -hmm. so he was unlikely to have strong feelings one way or another about mm -hmm. the real world situation so using that terminology wouldn't have been a big deal for him yeah so I, I think yeah. it was just a well-known word of the day mm -hmm. that he decided to use. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was just something that sort of made me pause and just be like, um. <laughs> so, that yeah. was it. Yeah. Having read the biography about Woodhouse, I really doubt that there was, like, any political reason for it or if there was any devotion or nation sure. of him yeah. It, yeah. it was just like it was almost just a word yeah yeah you know, it could have said tom and dad or mm -hmm. just somebody up high <laughs> yeah yeah okay so what i feel about dr watson is <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't know obviously like I keep in mind the context of the time but I'm just like and I, I get it but I'm also like don't like that no I do have to say I think I, there are plenty of other words or titles that could have been used true but and I don't say this trying to forgive him because I think mm -hmm. I'm assuming you mean Woodhouse and not Hitler <laughs> So my defense, no, obviously not. Um, I'm just like we're sort of talking about two hymns, and so I just need to clarify. Yeah, okay, <laughs> let's reverse that. Not to defend Woodhouse or especially Hitler. In 1939, mm -hmm. the Führer was seen differently. Yeah, than it, the Führer of like 1945, even much less where we're at now because yeah. you didn't have all that Hitler did then you yeah. actually had i believe there's a new york times article from around that time frame mm -hmm. kind of holding up hitler as the good guy yeah so yeah. you know if you're looking at when it was written in 1939 mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's not a big deal sure yeah if it was written in like 1944, it'd definitely be bigger a bigger deal. Much bigger deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, no, that's fair. So, yes, but no, Hitler sucks. 
if that offends you that I say that I said you Hitler's probably shouldn't dads, listen to us. Probably shouldn't listen to us. <laughs> I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Hitler was bad. <laughs> Quite the stance. Yeah. So bravery. Hashtag bravery. <laughs> oh God. All right. <laughs> Chapter eleven. <laughs> Hold on, I need to like start looking up a lot of Katy Perry lyrics. Hold on. Roar. Oh, I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> How did we get from Hitler to Katy Perry? Well, because when I said bravery, I, my mind automatically went to roar. I don't know why. Okay. But it did. Okay. This is my mind. That's a good illustration of your mind. <laughs> You're my child. You're inheriting a lot of this stuff. <laughs> well, yeah. Chapter 11. <laughs> Mrs. Chavender lets her dog out to do his business. And I got to say that this chapter and all the dog business is where I was most confused when I was reading it. Why did we get a perspective from the dog? I, yeah, I was like, for a while, I was like, and I said his. I guess Patricia. Patricia, it, yeah. It would be a she. But I was like, for a while, I was like, who the hell is Patricia? Well, I literally just wrote, I had to write a note of like, dog POV. Because I'm like, why? Yeah. And why does Patricia have such human emotions? I, I am not 100% for sure, but I believe that may be a first for Woodhouse is the dog POV. I was just like, well, it's funny because I actually read this like right after I was working on Kane's Jawbone, which I'm fairly certain does have a dog as a narrator at some point. And so I was just like, why am I keep why why do I keep getting perspectives from dogs? They're not illuminating. I, I do have to say, and in, in, I don't think this took up a lot, so it didn't bother didn't. me as much. Yeah. But no, I don't like animal POVs. I don't. Especially I, I, animals and stories, fine. Do not yeah. do their POV. Unless you're doing something like Watership Down, where it's all animal POVs. You haven't read Watership Down, nope. have you? It's rabbits. Oh, okay. It, it's very sad. Oh, then I probably won't read it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, my, my thing is like, yes, don't do an animal POV because I think it's stupid. But also don't do an animal POV and then have the animals like thinking human thoughts. Because that's not that's not how a dog would think. A dog would be like, oh, this grass <laughs> tastes good. What was that? Oh, uh, what was that? Like, a dog, <laughs> a dog has the worst attention span ever. I, I would. It, it's kind of like up. It's more like squirrel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, I would appreciate if it was just uh, Woodhouse writing this and Patricia thought <laughs> he just wrote that out. <laughs> I, if, I wouldn't be bothered so much if Woodhouse did do just one massive run-on sentence of Patricia <laughs> being like, grass, 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 weird sound, grass, grass, dog. <laughs> like, if that was what he did, I'd be like, okay. Yeah. I, <laughs> there's just, you don't, Oh, you do. You shouldn't do POVs of animals or 
babies. Yeah. Or, you know, anything that doesn't have, you know, kind of elevated human thought, unless you're really talented. Because, I mean, I say that I know that there are some, like, stories like Flowers for Algernon, which are written from the point of view somebody is uh, mentally disabled. Yeah. But definitely never animals. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Because it, <laughs> it, it took me out of it. Because I was like, that's not how a dog would think. Yeah. It, like, and it, it just took me out of it a bit. It, 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 it was a confusing start of the chapter for me. So, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, plus, like, it's switched perspective. Because it didn't start with Patricia. Well, yeah, it started with Mrs. Chavender, I believe. Yeah, and then it switched to Patricia, so that also made it confusing. <laughs> yeah, and I, the first time, I think I kind of missed that. So I was thinking that Patricia was Mrs. Chavender. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like... Why are we suddenly referring thought. to her as Patricia? Why are you thinking that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, because the thoughts about the man in the breakfast room and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the man in the breakfast room is Lord Holden. Uh, he's there with a knife to attempt to extract the painting. Or he realized that the mustache man shouting hey at him must have been Duff and worries what his opinion might be. And he thinks that presenting the painting would cure all. Suddenly a man burst in with an axe, but it turns out to be Chibnall. He tells Chibnall he saw a light in there, and Chibnall agrees. The dog starts barking, drawing the attention of both Mrs. Chavender and Mrs. Steptoe. Chavender comes in time to see the dog bite Holbleton, and she chides Holbleton for teasing the dog. <laughs> Which is just like, ah, uh, dog owners. <laughs> Mrs. Steptoe comes in and... They talk and discover Mrs. Chavender left the window open to let Patricia out. As everyone starts to leave, Chimnall tells Mrs. Steptoe he thinks he saw two dark figures on the lawn. It turns out the two were Mr. Steptoe and Joss, who make up a story to satisfy Mrs. Steptoe. Chimnall tells uh, Mrs. Steptoe various suspicions of Joss, and she tells him to keep an eye on him, and he suggests that he guard the breakfast room. Joss still in the breakfast room picks up the knife Holton dropped and is about to secure the painting when he is interrupted by Mrs. Chaminger. Do you have any notes on chapter 11? Oh, my, I think my only note was noting that it was a dog POV. <laughs> yeah, that was my only note. <laughs> well, because it was so fast paced. Like that's, that's something that like, I know it doesn't make it for good like content, but like this book had sections where it was like so fast paced that I didn't oh, stop to, like yeah and, and where one person leaves another person goes in then yeah it's a revolving leaves. door yeah it, yeah and yes it's it's a great read but it's like okay gotta keep track of everybody yeah yeah <laughs> uh, chapter 12 Mrs. Chamager is also holding a knife <laughs> this could have turned out very violent yeah there are lots of people with knives yeah and an axe <laughs> and my sword <laughs> <laughs> She tells him to meet her in the library. Uh, she tells him that he knows Duff wants him to steal the portrait. She believes, like Sally did, it's because Duff is still in love with her. And Joss doesn't dissuade her. So 
considering you're back and forth on Joss, what do you think about that? Do you just think it's a matter of not interrupting her and going off track? Or do you think he should have said something? I mean, no, because if he had said something, it would have been counterproductive to his goal. Okay. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I, was it manipulative? Sure. But like, I get it. I mean, to be fair, almost everybody is manipulating yeah. people in the story at this point. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> I mean, it's, like, hey. it's like, how do you judge who's the worst manipulator? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Joss explains Steptoe is also in on it, and she says she's now in on it too because she apparently needs money. Don't believe I mentioned it at first, but she was believed to have been very rich mm -hmm. and she had been very rich but she lost money in a crash which I'm assuming is a reference to like the 1929 crash I don't know if uh, England had a similar crash around that time or not Um, I mean obviously you don't know what year this is set in but I did sort of highlight because it was a reference to a real-time thing, and I think it's interesting when Woodhouse does that, but the Battersby crash, I don't know. Is that a... Because that's what he references that she lost her money in. I just kind of assumed it was a Woodhouse invention, it but I'm not seeing anything... I'm, yeah, I'm not... Up. Yeah, I'm not seeing that it's a real thing. Yeah, so... Okay, all right. Yeah, but some sort of stock market crash. Yeah, that's what yeah. it appears like. Uh, she has kept it hidden since Mrs. Steptoe is rough on poor relations. Which, okay, to be fair, we don't really see much of that. Not a lot, no. That's one of the things where but, we're kind of told but not shown. Yeah, but, I mean, to a certain degree, because, like... She does order Sally to she, do things. Yeah, she does order Sally around like a, like a maid. Yeah, but she's not treated horribly, so yeah. I don't know. But unlike most cases, it's not something like I'm irritated by. I don't yeah. think we need like huge examples of it. And also, I don't think my personal feeling that Woodhouse really wanted to paint anybody as a bad guy in here. Mm -hmm. Or a particular bad guy because almost all of them have their moments. Yeah. So that's one of the times where he just goes, This person has their own point of view on what Mrs. Mm -hmm. Stepto is like. You can make your own decision on if that's the case or not. <laughs> but uh, Mrs. Chamater needs 500 pounds because while she was giving a speech to a girl's school, she kind of inadvertently offered 500 pounds towards a gymnasium. Uh, Joss also tells her of his love for Sally, and while she doesn't disclose her situation immediately, she eventually admits that Sally's engaged to Holton. So mm -hmm. that secret is out there now, which it's, I'm kind of surprised that it, it was known to Joss as soon as it was. Yeah, I, I figured that would be something would be kind of saved to later until things kind of really exploded. But 
got out of the way. I didn't have a problem with it at all. Mm -hmm. So any notes on this chapter? My only other note besides the Battersby crash thing was I made a note of like, I noticed that there are a lot of references to Macbeth and okay. they certainly pop up a lot more in the latter half, but this was the first time that I really noticed. I'm like, Macbeth has been mentioned a couple of times now. And I, I'm not sure why. It's been a minute since I've read Macbeth. I haven't, I didn't particularly notice that uh, the references popped up. They are, not all of them, but a lot of them are focused on Mrs. Shavender. The one in this chapter is saying that she, her holding a large knife made her look like Lady Macbeth. Yeah. Which, like, I get that one. But I'm just like, Macbeth is the only other, like, literary work that is referenced yeah. throughout I, this story. I, I can't really see any comparison between the two works yeah so that's why i was just like i thought it was interesting and i didn't know if there was like i mean the only thing say or if he's just a big fan of macbeth i mean that could be the case for one <laughs> uh but also well i don't think of mrs chamander as a lady macbeth character mm -hmm. she's probably the character in this that would most likely mm -hmm. be the one because she does kind of manipulate things mm -hmm. to the way she wants, especially when it comes to Duff. I mean, that so man does everyone did not else. want to get married. Well, yeah, but everyone else manipulates as well. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It's not really a comparison. I, I, yeah. I would almost pretty much just say that he just like. Like yeah, I guess that's fair. I just thought it was really interesting because I had not yeah. seen those sort of references. I mean, before. if there is one, I don't see it. I don't either. Yeah, that, but that's that's something I was wondering. I'm like, it's been at least a decade since I've read Macbeth, so I'm like, am I just missing something? <laughs> All right. All right. Chapter thirteen. Hobleton tells Sally of what has happened after running tasks. For Mrs. Steptoe, she runs into Duff. They go to a tea shop and order tea and fancy cakes. Oh, this is like one of my favorite chapters. They talk about Holbleton. <laughs> one of my favorite exchanges is she says, he's high strung. And Duff says, you couldn't string him up too high for me. <laughs> it's like, ouch. <laughs> uh Duff admits Joss is now on the case and that although he'd like to hurt Joss in many different ways, Joss would be the better choice to marry. Sally gets him to say if Holbleton or she gets the portrait, Holbleton will still get the money. Duff leaves the Rosen Crown and runs into Joss, who wants to let him know the situation. They go back and forth a bit, and after admitting he thought Sally should marry Joss rather than Holbleton, Joss buys him a drink. They part, but then Duff hears Mrs. Chavender talk to someone about looking for him. He runs into the tea shop and orders more tea and buns. Suddenly, he is greeted by Vera Pym. She says he's just in time to give her tea and comes over to his table. He swallows bun after bun, which, by the way, 
He doesn't. Yeah, you really, haven't mentioned it yet. <laughs> he doesn't really care for buns. They well, don't it, do well in his stomach. Yeah, he, he has digestive issues. Poor. Yeah, he has digestive issues, and the entire time we're in his perspective, he's constantly thinking about how the things that he's ingesting are going to mess him up. Yes. Oh, she tells him that she's engaged to Chibnall. She wants to look at Duff's mustache, and she runs a hand over it just as Chibnall walks by and sees this. Remember how Chibnall felt about the, the tie. tie? Vera, having seen that it was a fake mustache, gets up to go so she can call Chibnall about it. After she leaves, Duff starts to go before a hand falls on his shoulder, and it's Chibnall. And see, this is where I think, you know, I actually felt bad for Duff. <laughs> here and he wasn't the most pleasant of characters but it's like mm -hmm. okay the man's got my sympathy yeah he just he didn't get a break yeah uh chibnall threatens to knock duff's block off uh the waitress is used to duff coming back now and he comes back again and asks if he wants more tea and buns uh she talks to chibnall who had come in behind duff and duff realizes Chibnall had made some assumptions about him and Vera. Chibnall says he'll be waiting outside, and the waitress comes back saying Chibnall is one of the best boxers around. Outside, Vera comes up to Chibnall, and she explains the misunderstanding and suggests Joss and Duff are working together. Man, she's just going to get everybody mm -hmm. to get beat up. <laughs> Duff, not knowing that the jealousy issue has been resolved, gets more food and is about to burst. So I did really enjoy this chapter. So much so that I took one note. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because I I just really enjoy the revolving door aspect. I get sucked into it. But my, my note was when Vera is petting <laughs> the mustache and Chibnall sees he says he says he felt like it was a straight orgy and that's not the first time he's used that word in his head and so I was just like that word keeps getting tossed around when it comes to Chibnall <laughs> so it's just it's one of those things where I'm like yeah, I maybe those novelettes were romances well that's kind of what I'm <laughs> But yeah, so it's just like, all right, Chimnall has a lot of thoughts about orgies. Mrs. Chavender is Lady Macbeth. And I'm just noticing patterns. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, with Woodhouse, mustache feeling may be an orgy. To I mean, yeah. View. <laughs> well, I mean, yes, especially during like that time. Like, that is 100% fair. But it's just like, just use a different word, man. It's not an orgy. <laughs> Chimnal seen the orgasmatron. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Chapter 14. Chibnall, concerned about what Joss could do on the day of the garden party, suggests to Mrs. Steptoe that she tell Joss his services needed there that day. 
Chibnall goes to tell Joss this, and Joss refuses. <laughs> Mrs. Steptoe is about to tell Chibnall to inform Joss he is fired, but then Mr. Steptoe comes out dressed as she would like him to be dressed, and she decides not to. It then starts raining. Chibnall informs Joss that Mr. Steptoe wants him. Mr. Steptoe informs Joss that he's been cleaned out in craps. <laughs> Joss quickly uses a razor taken from Mr. Steptoe to remove the painting, but then he runs into Sally. Joss says he wants to talk to her and ask him to ask her to go into a room with him, uh, which is Mrs. Steptoe's room. Mm -hmm. All right. I need to ask. What is a Mayfair man? I I just assume it was the, like a, a criminal. Yeah, I, like I didn't that's really like, look into it. Pretty much what I, what I guess I'm like it sounds like a, a criminal, a thieving gang or something. But I'm just like it. Chibnall, you really had <laughs> referred to Joss as like a Mayfair man, like quite a few times by this point. And I was like, all right, is this a like a thing that I should know? <laughs> yeah, I I don't really see anything. Well, I see man beaten to death in Mayfair. I don't think that's... As... I don't think that's it either. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just... I kind of assumed it was just another thing for criminal. Maybe Mayfair was the name of a prison or something, or a gang, like you said, or... Yeah. Okay. My only other note is that, like, we've had this, like, big buildup about the painting and, like, stealing the painting and how everyone's trying to do it. But, like, when it actually happened, like, I missed it the first time. <laughs> and so, because it's it's just, like, like and Joss took it. And, and, like, that was it. And so, in the next chapter, I have a note where he is referencing having the painting. I'm like, did I miss something? And then yeah. I went back and, and then I went back and read it. I'm like, oh, yes, I did. Yeah, it, it so, is a quick reference. Yeah, so, like. I had an issue with that because I'm like, there's such a buildup and we don't even get it like on page, really. So yeah, so I just had a little bit issue with the pacing in that. I, I understand that, but I think then you start off a second kind of round of what happens with the painting, so. Yeah. And it's almost funny to me that you have all this stuff about the painting and people trying to steal it and not able to. And it's just like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like, I don't. I just maybe needed it a little bit more pronounced because it was just like, just did the thing. Like and like literally, that's like the language. I mean, not like literally, but like. <laughs> yeah, I can see. Uh, what already just did the thing. <laughs> it's literally like a razor blade is not the ideal instrument for removing a canvas from its frame, but Joss made it serve. His task completed. He stood for a moment, and like, and that was it. And so I'm like, well, no wonder I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that like I get it, but also it just sort of bothered me a little bit. I just needed like. He took the painting, and then, like, that would have jumped out at me. Anything else about this chapter? No, that's it. All right. Chapter 15. Joss asks what all this nonsense is about Sally being engaged. 
she asks what business it is of his. And he says, of course it matters to him since he is going to marry her himself. It's a fair point. <laughs> Sally believes his love is real, even if she's a little put off by how he phrases it. Also a fair point. <laughs> Just he's, think- he's kind of intense. <laughs> Yeah, and and he is, and that's why it's good that not too soon after he's like doubting and apologizing. Yeah, because otherwise it'd be like, dude. Mm-hmm. Joss thinks it's ridiculous that she can be in love with George, which I think is also a fair point. That's yeah, it is fair. <laughs> <laughs> she says that she must only think she loves George because she's miserable there. Sally sees some truth in this, but doesn't say it. Josh says that he has the portrait and she leaps at him trying to get it. And what with one thing and another, they end up in each other's arms with him showering kisses upon her face. Which seems a strange sight to behold. Woodhouse says this all the time. What the hell does showering somebody's face with kisses look like i mean that's assuming what it sounds like that's weird like you're just like like kissing everywhere you know cheeks forehead nose lip (laughs) i mean no (laughs) i don't get how you can say he showered her face with kisses but you can't just say he kissed her well because i think that i think i mean i don't know for sure but i think that kissing on the lips at that time if you're not like officially courting like was would be like really inappropriate somebody kissed me like this i would think that would be really appropriate (laughs) like stop kissing my eye (laughs) i need to clarify woodhouse did not specify that joss kissed sally's eye it's on her face. I mean, so for lots of things. Showering it with it. I doubt he's like being like specific about places he's kissing. It just sounds yeah. like he's just going all willy nilly. I wasn't anticipating this bothering you so much. <laughs> it okay. I've read over seventy Woodhouse's yeah books. Yeah, there's been a lot of. Face shower kiss, kisses, showering, yes. <laughs> I understand you don't want to get too graphic to say <laughs> somebody kissed somebody's lips. I'm just assuming that's part of it. But oh my god, it it's 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 hard to take somebody's love for somebody else when they're like, <laughs> I mean, it's like. I, that's something you would do to your kid to annoy them. I mean, that is something that you have done to your kid to annoy them, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is not something you do to somebody you're desperately in love with. I mean, you can. I mean, you could do anything to somebody you're desperately <laughs> in love with, but desperately in love with them would make it more likely you wouldn't do those things. Showing somebody's face with kisses is one of those. What? But I believe he's also not the only person to do that in this book. No, that 
as I said, Woodhouse does this all the time. <laughs> I was more interested by the use of bosom. Like, I, I know men can have bosoms, too, but there's a lot of or, or pulling her to uh, his bosom. Yeah. Yeah. That that yeah. was more of what stuck out at me. But don't don't take away men's bosoms. Well, Men stop, are being, bosoms stop being too. a prude. I'm a prude. I want them. To yeah, you don't some, like shower kisses. Yeah, I, give them some deep French kisses, not a, <laughs> showering with kisses. <laughs> How is me saying the showering <laughs> with kisses? I was like, that makes me a prude. <laughs> I'm, I'm. You're trying to take away the kisses they can have. Trust me, if they were allowed to kiss the other way, I doubt the shower with kisses would happen ever again. I guess that's fair. Oh, did I? Okay. Uh, <laughs> did you finish the chapter at all? Oh, oh, and George shows up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you have any notes, Robin? <laughs> I just had to appreciate Sally's so many conflicting emotions. Yeah. Because there, there are a lot of times where she's like, oh, Joss makes a good point. Oh, Joss is being annoying. Oh, Joss is Sally making sounds sense. Like you. <laughs> yeah, Sally <laughs> flip-flops on Joss a lot. Um, which is part of the reason I like her. But, yeah, so I, just, I had to appreciate that a bit. And then there is a use of the word austere. Yeah. <laughs> I like that you keep much better track of them than I do. And I'm well, the you're one. the one who pointed it out, and now it's all I can see. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the, I didn't even book. read the novel. I just looked up austere and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I saw showering with kisses, and I was like, "Oh, that's too hot for me." <laughs> <laughs> Chapter sixteen. <laughs> Hopleton stares at the site for a bit. Sally, after an initial kick to uh, Joss's shin. Seems to be enjoying it. I don't know why. <laughs> Holberton coughs and says, I say. I mean, <laughs> what else would you say? <laughs> Hoy. Oh, yes. Hoy. yes. <laughs> I guess that's a good start. I say. What? Actually, George finds himself a bit relieved. After interrupting them, he says, everything is off, and he leaves. I kind of mentioned this before, but Joss takes this moment to do what we probably don't expect from a Woodhouse arrow. He self-reflects. <laughs> <laughs> he apologizes and wonders if he should go after George. Sally says not to bother. Joss feels he doesn't deserve her, and then he hasn't actually done anything to prop up his side. And we've already talked about it, but what I wrote here is, and here I want to ask Robin about a comparison between Joss and Smith, <laughs> which we've already talked about. So, yeah. Sally says he's going to take that portrait and get his job back. She wonders if she could talk to Duff, but Joss points out that both Mr. Steptoe and Mrs. Chavinger are to get their cut. Sally says she can handle it, and Joss gives her the portrait, which I don't think some other 
male characters would have allowed her to do. Mm, yeah. Uh, she leaves and Mrs. Steptoe shows up. For some reason, Joss is using her like makeup to draw on a mustache. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, first he, he drew a face on the mirror and then he started putting the makeup on. Like, he used her mascara to make him give himself a mustache. Yeah. Which, and put night cream on his nose. Yeah, I was like, uh, okay. You know, he's just a little kooky. Uh, she fires Joss. Uh, <laughs> Eh. Then Joss runs into Sally and she says Duff no longer wants the portrait. Mm -hmm. So at the begin yeah, at the beginning of the chapter when George is, you know, seeing them embrace. I say. <laughs> and but he's going through his, his thought process and he's like, actually, this works out well for me. I don't want to marry Sally. Um, yeah, which I just, I, you know, we pretty much knew that. Well, yeah, we knew that, but I, I just wrote that Sally's too good for him anyway. Yeah, I mean, the, the breach promise thing that was brought up in the first chapter mm -hmm. is a pretty clear sign of uh, George's like leaping into engagements without yeah. really thinking them through. Yeah, and then my other thing is like when Joss is reflecting, which is nice. <laughs> but, but uh... <laughs> I didn't know if if he was serious or not. <laughs> I didn't know if he was like actually reflecting or if it was another like manipulation thing of like, oh no, I feel so bad. And then Sally's like, oh no, it's okay. And then like I just I don't I don't know if I could take it seriously or not. Oh, I think it was real. Okay. I I it was nice to see because I know that Smith would never have done that. Oh no. But I it was because of all the like manipulation and the flip-flopping I'm just like, okay, but do you mean it or <laughs> You know? I I no, I feel like he meant it. I don't well, I do see your point about him manipulating things. He's also, if not immediately, mm -hmm. but subsequently, he's almost always honest with people. Like yeah. when he's telling, like with Mrs. Steptoe telling, mm -hmm. or, or Mrs. Chapter telling, her that Mr. Steptoe was part of the deal and stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, I, he can be manipulative, but I also think he is honest too, which seems counterintuitive to that. You love but, yeah, but I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also just the fact, oh, I want you, I want you, I want you. Okay, you had me. Oh, do I deserve you? I think that's a sure. very human reaction. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's fair. And then my only other note was when I had originally missed that he actually took the painting. And <laughs> this was the chapter where I was like, wait, where did the painting come from? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't mind it, but yeah, probably in the previous chapter that you should, maybe you should have just 
put a little dialogue in there too mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. uh, oh okay because yeah it, if if your eye like it twitched at the wrong moment you yeah. missed it <laughs> yeah that's pretty much what happened <laughs> all right chapter 17 sally tells joss that duff plans to marry mrs chavender now apparently duff was feeling unwell I don't know why. <laughs> Definitely not because of all the cakes and biscuits and buns. And tea, too, I guess. He had to drink a lot of tea. He had to drink a lot of tea. And that can start hurting your stomach after a yeah. while. So he was feeling unwell, and Mrs. Chavender came to see him, and she took care of him. Sally told Duff she and Joss were engaged, which I kind of missed that. I guess I guess if you shower somebody's face with kisses, you're engaged. Yeah, I guess like I, you don't need to like. I was like, well, no, there there was an actual. Was there some? I that must have been one of those eye twitch things that I missed. <laughs> would would it be in chapter fifteen? Yeah, I I do know what you mean, but I don't see how you can mean it. Sally, will you? Question mark. Parmalee, I will. That was it. Okay. As, <laughs> as engagement goes. As engagement goes, it's kind of well, lackluster. Proposal, but it's not the best. Yeah, yeah but, but it okay. did. <laughs> but, I mean, to be fair, proposals in Woodhouse yeah. aren't particularly great. Yeah, they're not super romantic. Very seldom is there a ring involved. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just strange that so much of Woodhouse works involve romance, mm -hmm. but in some ways aren't particularly romantic. Yeah, it, yeah. It's he's good at the chase. Yes. Yeah. But after we don't need anything after that after the catch he's like yeah, okay uh <laughs> <in the> novel? <laughs> all right did you have anything else or, or we were still never mind i was still <laughs> <right> after <laughs> come on robin come on <laughs> um <laughs> oh yeah sally told <laughs> she and joss were engaged and then i went off on a tangent yep uh and duff said that was foolish Stuff is finicky, <laughs> which George does say later. <laughs> he said he had likely misjudged George, and he has given George's money, but no job for Joss. Joss takes the portrait back from her. Later, Joss and Holbton run into each other. Sally had been talking to George about Joss. Joss reminds himself to congratulate Holbton on getting his money. <laughs> It's just funny to me how unbothered Holton mm -hmm. is about the whole Sally Josh thing. Yeah, Josh. he's just like, all right. <laughs> Works for me. Holton says he's going to the bank first thing in the morning to cash a check since he's had the experience of Duff changing his mind and canceling checks before. Josh wonders if he might do the same thing with Mrs. Chavender. I wrote the wrong name down. I was like, no, oh. him. <laughs> I, I wrote Chimnall calls Joss and says he wants a portrait. And I was like, 
Why would Chibnall do that? <laughs> yeah, Chibnall's all of a sudden in on it. <laughs> I never saw that coming. Uh, <laughs> Duff calls Joss and says he wants the portrait. That's the end of that chapter. Yep. So I'll take that mean you have no notes? <laughs> no notes. Okay. <laughs> this is what happens when you finish the book like 15 minutes before we do the podcast. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. I I think it's more of you just like getting sucked into the book. Oh, I was about to say, are you trying to tell me you didn't finish the book before the podcast? Because no, I, I have a yeah, text I, message from you. I have to finish the book before the podcast. <laughs> we're, we're, we're like on chapter 15 and you're like, yeah, right. Uh -huh. like, no, no. Like, uh -huh. I'm listening <laughs> as I'm reading. <laughs> All right. Chapter 18. Chimnall is annoyed about the Joss business, but then Vera calls and says the two men are there, Joss and Duff. Chimnall tells her to go back and listen. She said Duff had removed his mustache and does go back to listen. Joss and Duff talk. Duff isn't sure whether he, he has actually proposed to Mrs. Chavinger or not, because he's on a Woodhouse novel, and you don't really know these things. <laughs> He talks about how she cared for him, mainly filling him with medicine. Duff told her how he had ended up in that state, and she said he needed a wife to take care of him, and he said she, he guessed she was right. Joss says, yeah, you're engaged. Yep. <laughs> Apparently that's all it takes. Like, how did you not know? <laughs> it's like it's one of those things where like in some other culture you you accept like a glass of water from a woman and that means you're engaged it's like what huh what <laughs> duff thinks that if he uses the portrait to run the advertisement that mrs chavender will get upset and end the engagement everybody's gonna try to do a runaround and rather than just say hey <laughs> well because wouldn't that be a breach of promise breach of promise i mean Technically, there's nothing in writing. Well, I guess that's fair. And that's what usually gets uh, characters in Woodhouse novels is they've mm. written some dumb stuff in a letter. Mm -hmm. uh, he tells Joss to go get the portrait, but Joss has some details he wants to work through first. Mainly like his job. and <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vera calls Chimnall and says Joss has something valuable hidden in his room. Chimnall says he will go to Joss's room, find it, and wait for them. And I didn't write this down, but also he's gonna have a gun. He's gonna have a gun. That was the part where I was like, um, <laughs> that's maybe a little like escalate. Up till now, everyone's been running around with like knives and axes, and that's been fine. But I mean, like, that's a cool. gun is a gun that's is a bit cool. much. A gun's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm like, what happened to the axe you had earlier? Like, see, you make me ask. You won't. Just... No, I don't. You <laughs> can tell by the look on my face. <laughs> Chapter nineteen. Since Robin has nothing to contribute. Hey, I enjoyed the story. <laughs> Thank you for that contribution. And compared to the last, well. Not the last book, but the two books before the last one, and how much I didn't enjoy those stories. This is a nice change. 
Hip. Yes. <laughs> I all I heard was hip. Well, I tried to say Tibnal and I didn't. <laughs> uh, I heard hip, and so I was like, "All right, I'll finish it." Yeah, I, I think I started to say like Chip, oh. and I was like, "That's not his name." So. Mm -hmm. Chibnall comes to Mrs. Steptoe and says he has Joss and another person locked in the cellar. <laughs> That's one thing. I kind of wish we had actually saw this scene happen. Yeah. It had to have been funny. Yeah. He says Joss was trying to steal the portrait. <laughs> also, Mr. Steptoe is there, too. So he hears this. Mm-hmm. So I don't really say a lot about him at the beginning. But, yeah, he's there. Probably kind of going like, oh, no. <laughs> Chibnall says Joss wants to talk to her. And Mrs. Sep Mrs. Steptoe says to bring him. Joss says he wants to acquit his compatriot, saying he had nothing to do with it. He says he painted the portrait himself, and he felt that he needed to get the portrait back. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was make sure I was on the right page. <laughs> I was like, that's not the end of the chapter. It's it. Done. Then in novel. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> so 20 pages ago. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Steptoe feels like he should say something, but before he can, Mrs. Chamater steps in. She says Joss stole the portrait for her, but Joss tries to say she is wrong. That's That's one of the things where I'm kind of like, when you're Bring it up whether or not what he was saying to Sally. You sure. know, he could have just gone along with yeah. the truth, but he was trying to help Mrs. Chavender here. Mm -hmm. She admits that she's no longer rich, but also says that her soon-to-be husband is. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of back and forth here between the cat mm -hmm. and the dog. Which I hadn't known there was a cat before. So I knew there was a cat. I didn't know. Or it's, the cat the, didn't stick out to me anywhere. No, I, I knew about the cat, but like the the dog or the other dog. So this isn't Mrs. Chavender's dog, okay. who, who's we got perspective on. It's a different dog. Okay. That like is only referred to by its breed for some reason. Okay. Because, it, it, yeah, I was just like, I, I guess when it comes to animals, I just kind of blank up. <laughs> Which, I don't know what this breed looks like. Oh, is it like a German Shepherd? I thought uh, it was like a small dog. No, that's the Pekingese. That's Mrs. Chapter's dog. I knew the Pekingese dog. was small, but I thought this dog was somehow. No, I mean, I typed in Alsatan or whatever. Alsatan? Yeah, and it says it's like that's right. I don't know. It says it's British, another term for German Shepherd. Huh. Okay. Well, that certainly paints a different picture in my head. Yeah, I because I was also thinking it was a smaller dog. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's a tiny dog. No. Yeah. Now I understand Mr. Steptoe's reaction. I still don't agree with it, but I understand. Yeah. Uh. Trigger warning for some people. Uh, there's animal punching in this chapter. An uppercut, to be specific. Yeah, from a former former boxer. boxer. Yeah, not a palooka. As the, far as I know, not a, yeah, 
he did okay, I think. Yeah. But I will say the dog was not harmed. Yeah. The, the, he bounced back pretty quickly. Yeah, the animals seemed particularly unbothered by this. <laughs> Which he just I'm started licking himself. Makes sense that it's a larger dog. <laughs> yes, that is true. <laughs> just imagine like this little five-pound dog <laughs> flying through the air after yeah. a punch. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, sorry, we sort of skipped ahead a little bit. Yeah. Pup punching. Um jeez. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the the pets after a moment seem mostly unbothered by this. Uh, he tells Mrs. Steptoe that Joss is not going to prison, and that he's going to sell the portrait to Duff. Just Joss points out that Duff is in the cellar. <laughs> Mister Steptoe says he plans to go back to Hollywood and wants Miss Steptoe to go. Mrs. Steptoe to go with him. Joss goes to find Sally, and Mrs. Steptoe says she thinks Mr. Steptoe might be right. Mm -hmm. So, I enjoyed, um, at the beginning of the chapter, how Mrs. Steptoe was imagining how much she would like to disembowel with genuine relish Joss. And I'm like, okay! <laughs> Like, Maybe it, the Mrs. Macbeth. Uh, well, I, I was like, he hasn't done, I was like, he hasn't done anything too bad to Mrs. Seto except use her makeup, and that seems like a little bit of an overreaction to that. Some women are very attached to their makeup, I guess. I guess, but I was like, wow, all right. I mean, look at all the things she didn't fire him for. Yeah, but the man touches her makeup. And and he's immediately he's fired. Gone. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? Okay. Um, and then I put a crying. You're cut a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I put a crying, laughing face when again it was that like quick droll sort of like banter, where Joss is like explaining, you know, he wanted the portrait because he painted it and la la la, and he's like, blame me if you will, and she's like, I will. <laughs> and then he, he's like, uh, I had hoped that a woman as sound on Corot, Cor I don't know, it's a name, Corot, Corot, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, as sound on this thing, as Mrs. Steptoe would understand and sympathize. Well, she doesn't. <laughs> so I'm just like, all right, I like that. I like that, how speedy it is. And then I put a sad face next to the dog getting punched. <laughs> Well, like I said, while I do understand it more now that I know what breed it was, <laughs> I still don't agree. No, don't punch dogs. <laughs> Even if it is jumping at your head trying to get the cat, which is for some reason on top of Mr. Septo's head. Don't punch dogs. A public service announcement from I'll Be Dash, a Woodhouse podcast. <laughs> yes. There's another reference to my Also, don't punch cats. Yeah, don't punch any animal. What's wrong with you? I know. Some monkeys are asking for it. No! They just like to throw poop around. <laughs> and masturbate. I get it. This is where I ask the obvious question. When have you been throwing poop around? <laughs> I'm sure at some point in my life I have. <laughs> well, I mean, you were a baby, so... Yeah, I've been hit. <laughs> 
Um, there's another reference to Macbeth. <laughs> okay, and that's it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Things that be the audience learns about Robin in today's podcast. <laughs> At some point, he threw poop. <laughs> Yeah, you notice that was the only one I asked the question about. <laughs> I like how it took you a second to get there. I know, I'm like, like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> All right, <money. laughs> um, Final chapter. Joss finds Sally. He says it looks like Mrs. Steptoe will... Be going to Hollywood, and that means Sally might need to go with her because she's a poor relation. <laughs> he, he didn't say that part. It was it didn't need to be said. It was implied. <laughs> yeah, they wonder what they can do. Then Duff comes out and says, "Mrs. Chapter has said he is to make Joss the head of the art department. Marriage is really working out great for Duff. Mm-hmm. Joss is also to paint a portrait of him." And they are to give money to Chimnall to keep his mouth shut. <laughs> so Chimnall and Vera can buy that bar where they can be a loving company with absolutely no drama at all. Did I say company or a couple? I meant couple. I think you, you company. say company, but yeah. that, that works too. They would have yeah. a company. So everybody has their happy ending. <laughs> yeah, except Duff is paying out a lot of people. <laughs> And he's getting married. He's getting married. When he's scared what, of women. He's scared of women. So what do you feel? Do you feel like Duff actually loves her? Or he's just so intimidated that he can't? Really no, I mean, I think he gets to a point where he's like, <laughs> he's like, oh, you're my soulmate. Because they have the same idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he I think he does love her, but he let his how intimidated he was blind him to that. I think this is a very I don't know old fashioned thing for me to say, but I think her saying that he needs a wife is an accurate statement. He probably does. I would agree with that. Um, so, yeah, I, it was just all around, just the revolving door, mm-hmm. the dogs apparently being much larger than I thought they were. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously, I greatly enjoyed the novel. I Did you finish wrapping up the chapter? That was it. Are you sure? Did I miss something? I... I feel like you started like summarizing it and then we started talking and I don't think you ever went back to the rest of it. I was like, everybody had their happy ending. Oh, is that how it ended? Pretty much. All right. I just didn't know what you had on your notes. But, I no, didn't know if you it. finished reading your notes. Okay. That was it. Okay. Telling me what my notes say. I just... <laughs> you said it so naturally. I didn't know that you were speaking wow. about your notes. That's like a <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> well, that was pretty natural. Unlike the rest of what you said. <laughs> I just feel like I had shit thrown at me. So I noted in the last chapter that there, there was another like real world thing mentioned. Like reference? they mentioned the what? Reference. Yes, reference. <laughs> <laughs> a real world thing mentioned. Thingamabobber. <laughs> you know what you call it? Who's speaking? Joss. Um, he mentions the Great War, and so I was like, oh, all right. So it's sometime after. 1918. That narrows it down. <laughs> yeah, he is uh, more willing to mention the Great War, World mm -hmm. War One, mm -hmm. than other uh, real world uh, yeah. events that I've yeah. seen. Yeah. Um, I also, <laughs> I really like the part, sorry, where, uh, Joss and Sally are talking and then Duff appears and sort of like tells them what's going on and then he leaves, but then Joss is like calling Sally a bunch of pet names and then Duff is like, eh. <laughs> we talking about me? <laughs> and Joss is like, Joss is like, I wasn't talking to you. And then <laughs> Duff's like, oh, and then he leaves again. I'm just like. <laughs> Why why would you think that involved you at all? That just made me really happy. And my last note was me saying um <laughs> about I was a fool of a girl and didn't know enough to be interested in higher things like ham. Well, if you remember one of the reasons they broke up was she was insulting his ham. No, I, I understand that. But <laughs> I would never say that ham is like a higher minded thing. You do not insult a man's ham. There's nothing higher than ham? I I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't continue on. Yeah, that. so it's just it was just something where I'm just like, okay. Sure. Although obviously ham's very important to him because he's well, yeah. the ham king. Prince. She also a ham prince. Nah, ham king sounds better. It does sound better, but she said ham prince. But yeah, so that's <laughs> those were my thoughts. <laughs> a lot of the book is just a big um <laughs> to me. I enjoyed it, but it was also just like, okay. The revolving door of it all sort of like gave me whiplash occasionally. I guess I like whiplash because No, I mean I liked it. It was it was very entertaining, obviously, with the huge chapters that I had no notes on. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I I honestly should just start picking the worst Woodhouse works because you tend to have more notes on them. <laughs> Well, plus it's, and I've said this before, it's like, it's also dependent on like the format that I'm reading it in. If it's, because I did have more notes on in the physical book than I would have if I read it on my phone. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> speaking of the format, chances are the next book 
you're yes. likely to only be able to get it in Kindle format because uh, it may be available in a physical form, but it's probably very expensive or you have to get it from another country. It's unlikely that either one of us will be able to get it in physical form. It is The Pot Hunters, which is Woodhouse first book published in 1902 when he was 21 it's a school story i think Robin will have notes on this one i'm not looking forward to this now it's very short it's shorter than this book okay so i am looking forward to it <laughs> I'm just like, you said a lot of things that make me nervous. <laughs> Mainly because of your reaction. I did. You read haven't it. read this one, right? I did read it before, although oh. I'm going to be quite honest. Uh, it was one of those times where I was reading a lot of books uh, sure. at the same time, sort of. So I didn't really retain a lot of it. So I would say this would be like my 1.5 reading <laughs> didn't like the way you said that but okay <laughs> 1.5th I don't um, I, I think it'd be 5th Fifth. I don't like that <laughs> like the musical instrument <laughs> is it the fife a flute no I don't we utilize Google a lot more than we usually do yeah well because I, I should have. How would you even spell that? I know how to spell it. A fife is a small, high pitched, transverse aerophone that is similar to the piccolo. How do you spell it? F I F E. Oh, okay. That's what I thought. No, I knew it existed, but I just had to. Yeah, a kind sure. of small, shrill flute used with the drum in military bands. Yeah. Yeah. You remember ever hearing about like the fife and drum? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that point would have been pretty good if you understood it. <laughs> sure, it would have been. In your face. So, yeah, uh, The Pot Hunters, very first book, school story. I believe there's not one female character in this. That's fitting. Uh, if there is, it's really a very minor character. Yeah. Of no consequence at all. I'm saying that because if there is one, I do not remember her. Yeah. Uh, it's probably going to be a bunch of school students written again by a 21-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and... After this book, it's a Smith book. Fuck you. <laughs> All right. So that was an enjoyable book. Okay. <laughs> I didn't but, know where you were going. <laughs> that you may have to hold on to for a couple of books. Okay. Although I'll be honest. I don't think you're gonna like the pot hunters, but Thanks. <laughs> I, 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 I'm I'm not gonna blow smoke up your butt, especially I'm... since you throw poop. So, but I I, I want to have the poop up there. I if I throw it, 
Where do you throw it from, Robin? I have a store. So you go to the store. Okay, no. But I do think that you probably won't dislike Smith in the city as much as you may think you do. We'll see. There is some cricket in there. But it nowhere near as in death of either either of the uh, two previous ones. Yeah. So thank you everyone for listening. Uh, that was quick service, which I love. Robin liked, and we will see you next time for the Pot Hunters. This has been I'll Be Dash a Woodhouse Podcast.